Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio, and this is Jerry Prokopovich. Can there possibly exist a book that covers the entire Civil War era in fewer than 250 pages of text that is up-to-date, comprehensive, readable enough for undergrads, but seasoned with enough interpretive opinion to make it interesting for people who already know something about the war? My answer to that is the one given by the old-timer asked if he believed in infant baptism. Sure, I've seen it done. Well, I've seen the book in question. It's called The American War. The History of the Civil War Era by Gary Gallagher and Joan Waugh, and we'll discuss it with Professor Waugh tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu. Dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you tonight from the third floor of the Brewster Building, A-Wing, Office 320, on the campus of East Carolina University, not Eastern Carolina, East Carolina University, and not speaking for the university, which is in Greenville, North Carolina, but speaking only for myself, as I do every week, and as my guest likewise will speak only for herself, not for her institution or anyone else. That's how we do it here. Well, we're back in familiar territory here at the Brewster Building after broadcasting from home for a few nights, uh, so you will not hear felines howling in the background or other things, unless someone brings a cat up to the third floor, unlikely. Uh, it's dark out, the first, uh, it's, it's October here in 2017, middle of October, and it's the first show of the year where the sun's already gone down at the beginning of the show. Sometimes I say welcome this afternoon, and by the time the show's over, it's dark, and I'm saying uh, it's nighttime, and listeners around the world are baffled what time it really is. It's always 7 p.m. Eastern here in North Carolina, but this time of year, it's pitch dark uh, already, whereas it was was not last week. Uh, nothing of interest happened in sports once again for another week. Uh, ECU 
did win a soccer match. Uh, the women won uh, one conference game so far this year, which ties them with the men in men's football, one conference win. Uh, it's just a sorry scene. So we'll move on from that. I was talking with uh, an old friend uh, in the last day or two by phone, uh, Dan Weinberg of the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop in Chicago. I'm sure many of you have visited there and uh, perhaps gotten to talk with Dan. He's been on the show several times. And in the course of our conversation, he wanted to let me know about a, a big book event that he is having, and I'm happy to share with you. They produce a uh, the equivalent of Civil War talk radio, but different in some ways. It's a, a show called A House Divided on Author's Voice. It is different from Civil War talk radio, and it's video, not uh, just audio, and it goes out live, and you can watch it and ask the guest questions, and you can get the guest to sign your book. You buy the book from Abraham Lincoln Bookshop, guest will sign it right there on the air, mail it off to you, and on November 1st of 2017 at 2 p.m. Central, he's having Ron Chernow uh, as the guest on A House Divided. Uh, to talk about his new biography of U.S. Grant. So to find that, go to authorsvoice.net, and it's a, a called a virtual book signing. Uh, and November 1st, 2 p.m. Central Time, that's when you can see uh, Ron Chernow with his uh, talking about his book about U.S. Grant and, and signing copies for you if you want. So it's a, it's a cool thing. Uh, Bjorn Skaptison of the bookshop also hosts some of the events. I think Dan's going to do this one. And both uh, Bjorn and Dan have been guests on this show. You can look up when they were on. and I'm sure we talked more about the author's voice system, but, but check it out. Uh, the reason I was calling Dan was to find out about uh, my old friend uh, Chuck Calhoun, who was on author's voice, uh, House Divided, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Chuck also has a new book about U.S. Grant, uh, The Grant Presidency. Uh, Chuck had been working on that for a number of years, and it was just coming out when suddenly a Pulitzer Prize-winning biographer comes out with a book on the same guy. It's one of those things that make you question the justice of the universe, uh, it, but there's no way around it. Uh, in the long run, uh, many people with an interest in the topic will read both books, and it'll all work out. But I was trying to get Chuck's phone number because I wanted to invite him to this show, even though his book is not actually a Civil War era, it's Grant's presidency, uh, and thus violates our strict Civil War era rule on the show, uh, I make the rules, so I get to break them also. And I'm sitting in Chuck's chair right now. He occupied this office at East Carolina for many years, and uh, when he retired, I got his office and uh, have been hearing about his book for a long time and really looking forward to reading it. So, so he'll be on this show in January, and... Uh, and you can see Ron Chernow and hear about his book, November 1st, at authorsvoice.net. All grant all the time seems to be the, the rule right now. Maybe we can add some more of those. Speaking of books, uh, a few weeks ago I also mentioned that not every book sent to me by a publisher or a publicist or pitched to me by uh, an author ends up as a topic for one of our episodes here. I, I really, I do, sometimes I go out and select the books and I'll contact the author. Other times it's the other way around. But in, in thinking about this, a, a few ground rules have sort of emerged. Uh, 
year or three of them. If if your book is self-published, if you're not able to find a publisher willing to take a flyer on your book, or better still, a university press to, to peer review your book, don't give up. Could still be on the show. We've had some self-published books. Second rule, if your book is over 500 pages long, I've only got a week to read it between shows, so doesn't mean it won't be on the show. Chuck Calhoun's book is 700. I'm going to read that over Christmas. Uh, so don't give up there either, but it, it both of those cut into it. If your book is self-published and over 500 pages long, then you need to get an editor. Uh, don't even send it here. Uh, so there's there's some rules of thumb. We'll have more of those in the future, perhaps. Uh, uh, occasionally, I do get a, a big, thick, self-published thing coming across the, the, the doorstop, and I just, no, we're not going to do that. Well, you can find out who we are going to talk to and what books will be on the show uh, and authors and other Civil War folks uh, by going to impedimentsofwar.org, where you can see what's on the schedule, and you'll see that next week... A first book by D.H. Dilbeck is going to be our topic. It's called A More Civil War. No, A More Civil War, How the Union Waged a Just War. Looks extremely intriguing, and uh, I just turned it over, and it's got a blurb from Joan Waugh on the back, so she can vouch for it in a few moments. Uh, After that, Voices from the Attic, the Williamstown Boys in the Civil War. Uh, this is, I don't know if it's self-published, but it's kind of close to it, but it looks really interesting, uh, dealing with uh, first-hand uh, letters, stories from uh, uh, from soldiers from Pennsylvania in the Civil War. So we'll learn more about that when we get there. On November 8th, Gary Cross fulfills a long-promised uh, appearance by showing up. Uh, we've had to cancel for unforeseen reasons in the past, but he is a Gettysburg licensed battlefield guide, and we'll talk about what that is. And then on November 15th, Gordon Ray uh, finishing his magnificent multi-volume set on the Overland campaign uh, will be here. No show at Thanksgiving, but we'll be back with Andy Wosky uh, and then Sam Elliott in the weeks following, talking about Philadelphia uh, for uh, Professor Wosky, and then John C. Brown of Tennessee, Rebel, Redeemer, and Railroader. Those are, uh, that's a brand new book just coming out. So all kinds of good stuff. Uh, check out impedimentsofwar.org to find out. While you're there, buy books from the authors. Click through to Amazon. We get a fraction of the, the take on that, which is helpful to keeping the website up. And I'll say this because I said it last week uh, There's a donation opportunity here, not to give money to Civil War Talk Radio for my ordinary uh, refreshment fund, but to actually contribute to a meaningful cause, the Memorial and Historical Building, uh, Memorial to Civil War Soldiers and Sailors in Cattaraugus County, New York, has been saved from the wrecking ball by a group called Citizens Advocating Memorial Preservation, the county Solons were going to destroy it because they didn't know what it was and what it was worth. Mark Dunkelman and his allies have purchased it, have managed to save it from destruction. But they do need, and they're going to get major grants to eventually restore it. But in the short term, they need some funds to keep uh, things going, get the grant writing going. If you can support that, 
by donating to Civil War Talk Radio between now and the end of 2017, anything you send to me, I'll send it on to camp, uh, donate to them. So your money goes to a good cause, but it passes through my hands so I can feel the warmth of your support, which would be very welcome. And uh, we'll also help persuade folks here at ECU that I'm doing something worthwhile with my time on Wednesday nights when I point out that I've used it to raise money for a Civil War preservation project. So uh, do consider a donation to Civil War Talk Radio through impedimentsofwar.org, and you'll be helping uh, preserve this almost lost monument. Well, let's get on to tonight's show. There's so much to talk about. The book is The American War. The authors are Gary W. Gallagher. You have all read something by him. And Joan Waugh, and I'm sure many of you have read her works as well. Both have been on the show before. And it's a a pleasure to have uh, Professor Waugh back with us tonight. Uh, Joan, are you there? I'm here. And thank you very much for inviting me back. Well, it, it's good to have you back. How are things uh, out on the West Coast? Well, I can't speak for the entire West Coast, but in my little part of it, it is sunny and 75 degrees. Ah, uh, dark and chilly here. That That's nice. And by the way, the Dodgers are doing very well. So you're, you're at UCLA, so you, you have an interest in that. And, uh, uh, and you're, you're not... Uh, having to deal with the, the, the terrifying wildfires at this moment. No, I'm not. And that uh, the worst of those are being addressed right now. It's much better than it was last week. They're in, in uh, northern and central California. Well, that is good to hear. Uh, well, first of all, Dan Weinberg says hello uh, he, when I told him you were going to be on the show. So I want to pass that on to Dan. you. He has a great uh, store. It, it is. Anyone listening to this show, if you're ever remotely close to Chicago, Illinois, you must see the, the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop. It is really something. And it's so, really fun to do that program, too. I've done that. I've done that. Yes, the author's voice. Those, are, those are, are fun. I did one myself many years ago, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of that, and, and I hope our listeners will, will watch Ron Cherno and... And uh, then those watchers can come and listen here. We can all work together. <laughs> so I've got your book here, The American War. I have been assigning it in History 3225, the uh, Civil War course here at East Carolina. Uh, if any students are listening, don't forget to read pages 126 through 165 for tomorrow. And if you are listening, there will be a quiz, uh, unannounced. Uh, we had one earlier this week uh, a a quasi-announced quiz. I didn't say there would be one, but I told them I'm not saying there won't be. Just just sort of out of curiosity, see how how much they retained from the reading. But it wasn't enough of a direct threat, and most of them were not prepared. It was actually quite discouraging uh, because they're a a sharp group, and they did well in the midterm. Uh, So I'm telling uh, uh, students, if you're listening tonight uh, or tomorrow before 2 o'clock to the the podcast, uh, read those pages, we're having a quiz. Uh, I've been assigning a short amount of pages from this book because it's a small book. How, how did you conceive of the, the, the audacity to, to try to write the whole war in under 250 pages? 
I agree. It was audacious. I like that description. But we, Gary and I, had uh, have taught undergraduate Civil War history for many years, and we often lamented the the lack of a good one volume account of the Civil War that wasn't overwhelming. And, of course, the magnificent Battle Cry of Freedom by James McPherson, one can go on and on, mm-hmm. uh, of uh, books that are, as you put it, uh, doorstops. Uh, and that those can be discouraging. What we wanted to do was write a concise one-volume book that would get them to think and not be overwhelmed with all the details of the battles, of the political situation. As you know, Jerry, it's a very complex story. It's a great story, but there are so many things that happen. And this was a way of, for when we got the opportunity to write this book, was a way for us to put our money where our mouth was, to try and come, we dedicated it to our students at UCLA and the University of Virginia, and we wanted to uh, write the book that we had talked about for a long time, and also, but also not only make it short and concise and hopefully clear, but, but set the stage for the kind of further reading and further studying that either students in a college classroom or just someone who wanted to learn about the war but wasn't ready to read anything huge yet, wanted to know uh, what, what might take, uh, where they might go with the study of the Civil War. Well, it certainly accomplishes that, it seems to me. It, 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 one thing about textbooks, uh, I get publishers sending me Civil War textbooks all the time. I'm sure you do, too. And uh, most of them are so obviously textbook-like. They're, they're detailed, not, not even detailed, they're, they're, they're desiccated. There's no uh, opinion, no interpretation, uh, no obvious interpretation. Uh, it's always in there somewhere. But they're, they're just not interesting. And uh, this book does not fall into that trap. We're up against a break. We're going to take a short break right now, come back and ask more about how you and Gary did this. Uh, the book is The American War, A History of the Civil War Era. Our guest tonight is Joan Waugh, co-author of the book. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu. Dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Professor Joan Waugh, co-author of The American War, A History of the Civil War Era, uh, written as a, a textbook for college courses on the Civil War, but uh, a book that goes beyond being an ordinary textbook. Joan, as I was reading this, it reminded me of my my days working in a museum writing exhibit labels or uh, audio text where you have a very strict limit on the number of words in which to convey all kinds of information and concepts. So you have to make every word count. You, there, there's no room for anything extraneous. Uh, it, it, as I reading one chapter, I thought every sentence I've just read represents probably ten minutes of tomorrow's lecture. Uh, if you unpack it, how was that hard to do? Yes, it, it is very hard. And, and Jerry, I think you know, as a teacher yourself. When you write lectures, you have to be economical, don't you? Yes. You, you have to so pack a lot of information in, in a, in a way that is entertaining and mm-hmm. also inspiring to them. And, and you, you cannot put all the detail that you want in and, and go down the alleyways that you might do in a larger book in a, mono, a scholarly monograph or mm-hmm. uh, something like Ron Chernow's 800-page book, uh, Biography of Grant, you have, to, you have to be able to pack a lot of punch with your sentences. It, now, how, how did you and Gary Gallagher divide up this project? Uh, collaboration is not something historians typically do. No. Uh, well, we we worked together on the entire book in terms of of making sure that it flowed well. We didn't want a book where where the the, the readers would say, "Well, this is an entirely different chapter written by uh, and in, uh, somebody who who is very has a very different sensibility than the previous chapters." But mm-hmm. in in terms of the, um, in terms of the, the, uh, the way that we divided, I I wrote the uh, the chapters on on emancipation, 
on the social history of soldiers, on women, on, on, re, on Reconstruction, and did I say emancipation? Yes. And, and then uh, we co-wrote uh, some, some chapter, the, the introduction and I think chapters, chapters 1 and 12. But it was, it was really a joint effort, and it was a lot more work than I had bargained for because even though I was thinking, uh, we were thinking of it as, as just in the way that I, we wanted a concise history that would really be, would really push students and the readers to think about, think about why the war came, why the Union won the war, what Reconstruction meant, how complicated emancipation was, look at the home front and women, look at race and the meaning of political allegiance, Democrats, Republicans, and in the United States, and the meaning of loyalty, get them thinking about things like that so they would be prepared in our lectures and then the reading that we assign in lectures to really reflect on it. And, and so that's, that is, I mean, it was, it was a lot to have when you sit down and write in, in that way, have all that in your mind. And and uh, you lay out those questions that in the introduction that that those are uh, the questions you just asked are among the major ones you're going to follow through. So there is a focus to the book, but at the same time, it is uh, it does not shortchange the military campaigns. Uh, there there have been some recent books uh, on the Civil War, some some textbook like approaches that I've seen that that really. Uh, you wouldn't know there was a war on, uh, and, and this is not the case here by any means. So no, I would, th- and, and that's some, and I would, I would say both of us were com- committed and have been committed to teaching as well as writing about all aspects of the war, and and because you can't you can't really understand the the con- women or emancipation. Uh, any of the other things without understanding that the the focus was on the battlefields and on the it, armies. It, it, so it exactly. all had to be integrated together somehow. And I just, um, I, I have to I say that our students are extremely positive about the books. Now, you might, you might think, well, of course, they would say that to their professors. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and they do get extra credit if they like it. No. <laughs> it's, it's just, um, uh, I, we feel that it's fairly genuine. I, well, I'm, I'm expecting to get that kind of feedback af- after the course is over when they do the, the student reviews and, among other things, of course, they grade the texts. Uh, and I... I enjoyed reading this book, uh, which I will admit to have taught the uh, the survey course in U.S. history and not actually opened the textbook because I know what my lectures are and I key them to the chapter headings and make sure they're the same. But uh, but I'm the, the I, I've had some really dull textbooks uh, come across the desk here. This was not one of those. This was one where I actually in, enjoyed reading it and, and have been integrating it into what I'm doing. Uh, and I think listeners who are not undergraduates may actually enjoy this book as a 
uh, on its own. They might not come across it, it strikes me, though. It's published by Flip Learning, uh, not by a major you know, commercial house or university press. Uh, I'm curious, who is Flip Learning, and how did you get connected with them? Well, I've, I'm glad I have the opportunity to answer that question. The, this whole project came about. We did not go anywhere. We weren't thinking, actually, of writing a, a textbook at all. But mm-hmm. what happened is that we were contacted by an entrepreneur. His name is Christian Spielvogel, uh, almost as hard to pronounce as your last name. And Close. He, he is a, I would say, uh, somebody who really is excited about e, interactive e-textbooks. That means interactive learning, a website course. And that is what he and his young company came to us and, and pitched it, and we, were, we became enthusiastic about it. We decided, well, why not try this, uh, this whole e-textbook thing? It might be a worthy project, and we went with them. So we didn't sign a big, huge contract and, and in terms of the money that would uh, buy us a summer house in the Hamptons or something. Uh. We were just really excited about it, and and th- there is another part to this this uh, textbook. Is we originally wrote it for just just for online, and the online version, which is doing very well, is um, has all the bells and whistles that you might expect. Uh, filmed interviews with us, links and quizzes and role-playing assignments, all that kind of, of um, exciting stuff. But we, uh, once we were, uh, once we produced our textbook, which is, which is online and, and being sold in, in to a, a different audience than, than students who would just get the hardback or the paperback, which is available. Once, um, once we were finished, we, we're so pleased with the result that we asked uh, Mr. Spiegelvogel if we could, uh, if he would consider publishing it, and if he didn't want it, we might buy it from him. But he was very enthusiastic, and it is he. Um, he also has a, a publishing, um, a small co- publishing company, and and uh, they. Uh, called Flip Learning, and they published it. It's out of State College, Pennsylvania, hmm. and so that is that is a story. That the textbook, the the hard version, paperback, hmm. and the hard copy were released all, le- very late 2015, almost in 2016. So it was. Um, that's how it came about. Well, it, one of the other things that ties in with that, um, that, listeners not in the higher ed game would be shocked if they ever saw the uh, sticker prices of ordinary textbooks. They they are just bizarrely uh, out of whack with books you'd buy at Barnes you, & Noble. Did, that's, that's part of the student debt, I'm sure. It, it, it Seriously, it, well, I've, I've got a daughter who's a senior, another one graduated a few years ago, and their book bills were ridiculous. Uh, this book retails, I'm looking at the website, twenty nine ninety five for the paperback. That's what you'd pay for you know, Battle Cry of Freedom. Maybe, maybe that's $20, but 
it's not an outrageous price for no. a, a a paperback on the, the Civil War. It's not seventy-five or ninety-five or uh, rented for one semester for thirty dollars, and you get nothing to keep. Uh, uh, so, so this works in a lot of ways, uh, uh, in a way that that other books don't. Well, we've heard a very good feedback from a number of of places across the country who have adopted the both the website and or the te- just the textbook itself. We also have, um, it has sold somewhat well in terms of a larger audience, but we, it, 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 it's not the kind of book that we expected. I mean, first of all, textbooks are their own niche, isn't that right? right? And um, it didn't, um, it's, we didn't expect it to be a bestseller or anything, but it has, we've had a lot of people contact us who just somehow picked it up. Uh, and um, and bought it and and really have said nice things about it. Again, we felt that it would be good for a general audience who really wanted to acquaint themselves with this fascinating period, but not be overwhelmed with it. And and we also have a bibliography in the back that that is is full of the recent literature, which. Which mm-hmm. we've been shaped by that uh, we feel that that's very much informed uh, the way that we wrote this book with with the social history that came out um, in the past three decades and and uh, so so that's really important. When one of the first things I do when I get a, a Civil War book, especially for the show, is go to the bibliography with a pencil and put a check mark by the books that I've already read just to see if I'm familiar with the sources. And with this book, I checked off most of them, which is maybe unusual. But And as I was reading it, I, I'd read a sentence about many soldiers were concerned with dying a good death. And I'd think, oh, there's Drew Faust. Uh, and then another sentence about uh, something about emancipation I'd recognize. It, in each case, I could tell where you guys were getting the... You were compressing into one or two sentences an entire monograph, and then you reference it in your bibliography. So I'm thinking if, if, if a listener has read a fair amount about the Civil War but wants something that just pulls it all together, uh, where you can read between the lines that you guys have written, uh, it, it is entertaining to read even if you're not coming at this for the first time. The, one example, just for, for listeners, uh, you, uh, you throw out the fact that uh, – the Confederacy is not in, is very rural. There are no major cities, uh, and you, you you drop the line every time the Army of the Potomac camped for the night. It became the second largest city in the Confederacy after Isn't New that Orleans. A great line! What a great line! That just like yes. that. This is not a textbook. This is like I mean, that was that grabbed me. Uh, well, I mean, part part we both brought our style and uh, what we thought was vital for readers to know to this book, as I'd, I'd like to think we do to all of our writing. However, um, um, in my class, I play music. I play Civil War music. Mm-hmm. I, I also uh, incorporate poetry and images into it. And we very much wanted to give a sense of, of the people as much as possible. What, what, the, what a soldier might write in a letter, 
what uh, uh, what women were writing to their husbands, uh, that uh, what uh, enslaved people were were uh, feeling, and so I think that's really um, that was that was very much in our minds that we wanted to Just, make as much as possible in this kind of book a a vivid record of the people. And, and you do that in various ways. Uh, another thing that, that jumped out at me is uh, when you tell the story of how, how contrabands came to be, most listeners are familiar with uh, the story of the escaped slaves going to Fort Monroe and seeking asylum and being treated as contraband of war by Benjamin Butler. But most books that tell that story don't give the actual names of the the three enslaved people who who were the first ones to show up, uh, which this book does. Uh, there are monographs that do, but but in the in your general textbook, they're just anonymous, you know, you know factors. And here they they're people. Uh, it's a, it's a detail, but it's the kind of thing that distinguishes this uh, for, from a lot of textbooks. Well, we very much wanted to do that, and to again, I, I something that you have at the beginning of your radio hour, your your uh, description of of the show, really resonated with me, and that is simply that the the Civil War era is is hands down the most important event mm-hmm. in American history. We can't understand what's going on today without understanding what went on in those decades and no, it's, and but it's full it's it's not it's not to be thought of as dry and boring it should be just uh, people should be enthusiastic to learn about it and one way you make them enthusiastic certainly with students as you know is to make sure they know the stories mm-hmm. Yeah, the individual stories absolutely make a difference. Um, I want to ask you more uh, about that and about some specific things in the book, Uh, but we're going to take another break in just a moment here. We are talking tonight with Joan Waugh. She is co-author, along with Gary Gallagher, of The American War, A History of the Civil War Era. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Joan Waugh, co-author of The American War, A History of the Civil War Era. It's a book uh, conceived and written, designed as a textbook for college courses on the Civil War, but it stands on its own as a interesting uh, short summary of the, the war era, including Reconstruction. When I say interesting, I mean that it doesn't uh, shy away from the occasional uh, clear interpretive opinion. For example, when discussing the uh, beginning of the war, the authors establish the their view that the Union victory was was not inevitable. The uh, I believe the phrase they use to describe that conclusion is uh, uh, hopelessly wrongheaded. Uh, let me see if I got that right there. Um, they say thoroughly wrongheaded belief that Union victory was inevitable. So you're not mincing any words. Um, no, Union victory not inevitable. First, let me ask, why do you say that? I, I don't think there's any reason to be coy about it, and that is, uh, it's just something that, that is so embedded in a stereotype about this, the way the Civil War played out that it's, it's very frustrating to me as a teacher, I know that Gary feels the same way, that students often come into the class uh, thinking that there was no way the Confederacy could have won this war and the Union lost because the, the disparity in numbers and resources, and uh, they, they get these ideas from various places, even if they don't know very much about the war. And I, it's really something that, that is not true. The, there are several points during the war that in, in which it could have gone either way. And, and even as late as, as the summer of 1864, the, the idea that it was always a lost cause from beginning to end is just not true. All they had to do is look at the American experience in the Revolutionary War to know, they meaning both sides, to know that it could have turned out differently. And I think that is something that, for my students, that I want to, I, I I want to infuse them with the idea of contingency. Exactly. Which is a very, which is something that's very commonly used among historians, especially the Civil War, and that we we can't put our own expectations and and prejudices, if you will, back 
on the past. We have to understand what the people of the past were living through. Did they think they could win the war? I think many Confederates at different times did think that they would win the war because they didn't have to win it in the same way that the North had to win it. Uh, they they had a much different set of conditions to fulfill to to win the war. You you use the phrase Appomattox syndrome in the book to convey this sense. We know what happens at the end, so we assume it must we have been inevitable from the start. We read it backwards. Now another thing that I find frustrating, and I'm sure you do, and I I, I know that uh, Gary focuses on this in his work, is is explaining conveying to students the the passion for the Union that animated Northern soldiers, uh, that's that's a struggle, and and you emphasize that in the book as well, to to explain what they were fighting for. Yes, I I believe that that's something that I found out in the first years that I was teaching my Civil War class at UCLA, that, that they seemed to understand viscerally what the Confederates were fighting for. But Mm -hmm. the Union is not, the Union cause seems to have faded as a a memory tradition. I mean, that is something that we really wanted to do, and that um, in this book was do two things. One, cover Reconstruction, and, and two, write a chapter on memory, because memory is so important to understanding the way the Civil War has been interpreted and reinterpreted over the decades over the generations and the so that is uh, uh, that the union cause no one knows what that is about anymore and if they do know it it's it's not not with respect they couldn't they find it hard to believe that you would give up your life uh, and and in a as a soldier to fight for the right for the United States to remain whole. That doesn't make any sense to them. So we try, and we try and build that argument throughout the book mm-hmm. and also uh, uh, write about it in the, the, uh, the chapter on memory so people can understand how the Union cause has faded. I want to pick up on both of those points because I was also distinguish this from other textbooks. The Reconstruction era is, I would argue, the most misunderstood era in all uh, American history. And here you, again, face the challenge of compressing it into a short span of pages. Uh, how, how did you approach that task? Well, I approached it with um, with great trepidation because, as you know, and probably most of your listeners, it's this is a vast, complicated war, and Reconstruction is the the least understood of that vast, complicated war, and it's something that students resist when you when you try and and uh, make it interesting for them try and get them to see how vitally connected it is to the period and that uh, the, the the question that you asked me is how did i compress it i i just tried to do the best i could and and i i think with the as with the other chapters is is 
create a narrative, an interesting story that can only really touch the surface of all the deeper issues and problems of, of bringing the country back together again. Well, did, and again, you, you use this uh, you know, technique of compressing things and referring offhand uh, to, offhand's not the word, just, um, or you write, for example, the final years of the Reconstruction era, the period as a whole often described as a, quote, unfinished revolution or a, quote, splendid failure. Uh, and then you say more about it. But right there, uh, the reader who knows says, oh, that one is Eric Foner's book and one is Michael Fitzgerald's exactly. book. Exactly. And and you've, you've just you've, you've said a great deal to people who already know something about this, where you're going with this. So you're not adopting either of those two approaches. Whereas to the student who, who is maybe reading one of those books, in our case, I use Fitzgerald. Uh, I used to use Foner, the shorter version, uh, and have, have moved but but it it's tough for them to read that it it lacks the linear quality of the civil war with the campaigns one after another so having here in your book you know in 30 or 40 pages the whole era to at least give some shape to it is very helpful well that's exactly what i had hoped to do is to give some shape to the, the reconstruction period because it is it and and it is in a splendid failure, I suppose you could call it. I think most human endeavors are in one way or the other. And but but I wanted to bring complexity to a student's understanding or a reader's understanding of this this period that is now we're now in the uh, in the 150th, the sesquicentennial of the Reconstruction period, and frankly, nobody really cares because it's it's again the easy way to stereotype Reconstruction is utter failure that led to Jim Crow, which it did, of course, in which the hopes of African Americans and their allies. During, before and during the war were dashed. And to some extent that is true. But again, when you, when you're, if you're interested in it, it's, it's this, the, the period, it's fascinating. It is utterly fascinating. And there are many things that would surprise you, many successes that would surprise you and that I hope to bring readers to the point where they could possibly say to themselves, well, this is the first civil rights re- uh, revolution in America. It didn't do everything it was supposed to do by any means. And, but there was, there's something, um, <clears throat> but, but it, it was a, a, a complicated, I keep saying that, but of course it is, a complicated bargain. There are... Uh, many things in this book I really like if I haven't made that clear enough uh, let me push back on, on one thing in just a few minutes left uh, because no review is complete without you know complaining about something uh, uh, one thing that struck me maybe it's because Mark Knoll was on the show not long ago and, and really raised all of our consciousness about the role of religion in the war and while you touch on it, it it's very briefly discussed and it, it, it might play a larger part, but there's room for instructors to add that. Uh, one place where I thought maybe events have overtaken the book 
somewhat is the the brief discussion of women who fought in the war in disguise as men. Uh, you give reasons why they would do that to be with their uh, their husbands or boyfriends or brothers, or they believed in the cause. Uh, but the idea of, of transgender individuals uh, doesn't come up. I haven't seen it yet discussed much, uh, and I wonder in retrospect, maybe that it was as simple as a psychological uh, situation that, that we recognize now that we didn't then. I, I hesitate to use a current designation for people in the past, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I, that I wouldn't exactly know their motives, but I certainly... I probably um, added probably too much about uh, female soldiers, (laughs) but I have to say, when I lecture on women in my Mm -hmm. class and I come to the soldiers, that the students just are fascinated by it. And I do think that clearly some of the women, probably a very small percentage of the women who served as Mm -hmm. soldiers and and were able to uh, hide their identity, did have, did suffer frustrations with mm-hmm. the gender restrictions and, and wanted to have an adventure, and I, but I couldn't, uh, I have no doubt that, that, uh, that perhaps today they, they might be transgender. I don't, I don't know. Let me ask one more thing in in thirty seconds because I I've been meaning to do this uh, and I used to do it on every show and I may have done it last time you were on uh, the Civil War time machine question in thirty seconds if you could go back to that era the whole era you've written about for thirty minutes who would you want to talk to? Well, of course I'd want to talk to Ulysses S. Grant. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you've written about Grant extensively. I guess I have. that makes the most sense. And I'm that, still writing about him. Well, that, that's a good choice then. Um, so this book, uh, as I've said, uh, listeners, is a uh, uh, you know written as a textbook, but uh, and marketed as such. And you said initially as an online product, uh, but available in paperback. Flip Learning is the publisher. I don't know if it's in stores. But you can look up Flip Learning online and find out where to get it. You can um, order it through Amazon as well. Okay, so it's out there. And and I'm guessing Mark Gaffney will put it on our website as well. On Impediments of War, you'll be able to find it. Uh, And it's written as a textbook, but transcends the the genre. It's uh, entertaining and uh, enlightening in its own right. The authors are Gary W. Gallagher and Joan Waugh, two of our best-known current Civil War historians. And Joan, it has been a pleasure talking with you as always. Thanks for being on the show. Well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure for me as well. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.